Welcome to Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought to you by the Vizian Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. Pharmacy residents can experience burnout during their training, and as preceptors, it is our responsibility to work to prevent this. Practicing mindfulness can help, and one Vizient member has developed a formal training program to do so. Today, I'm joined by Glenn Coos, clinical pharmacist at UW Medicine and certified mindfulness meditation teacher. I'm Gretchen Brummel, Pharmacy Executive Director with the Vizian Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence and your program host. We are recording on site at the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Welcome to the podcast, Glenn. Thanks, Gretchen. I appreciate you having me. Tell me about your background. I graduated from the University of Saskatchewan in Canada with a bachelor's degree in pharmacy way back in 1997. After that, I went to go on to complete a PGY1 residency in pharmacy practice and worked as a clinical pharmacist in internal medicine for about three years before I moved to the University of Washington in 2001. I took a job there as a clinical pharmacist and also to work on my post-bac PharmD. I've been a clinical pharmacist in our system for the past 21 years. First, starting in internal medicine, and then subsequently was the night pharmacist for some years, and then moved to solid organ transplantation for eight years. And then about four years ago, I left transplant to reduce my hours to part-time so that I could focus more on my mindfulness practice and teaching. And this afforded me a little more time to start bringing the practice of mindfulness into the workplace. Very diverse background. Thank you for sharing that. How did you get interested in using mindfulness practice to help pharmacy residents during their training? As all mindfulness practice goes, you're either pulled towards it or you are pushed. Life is usually the thing that does it. So about 10 years ago, life was landing on me in certain ways. I was experiencing a lot of suffering and there was certain deep losses in my life. Starting anew on the transplant service was quite stressful. I was stressed out in life, I was stressed out in work, and somehow I knew it wasn't going to be feasible for me to continue in this state for too long. A friend of mine had given me a book that's a classic called When Things Fall Apart by a Buddhist nun, Pema Chodron. I started reading this book. In her words, she was reflecting back everything that was happening inside my own mind. All of the stress, the stories, the worries, and the struggle that I was going through. Her writing was a reflection of experiences I didn't actually know that I was having until I read her words. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is exactly what's happening to me. That sparked a super huge interest in studying Buddhist psychology. For the next four or five years, I was studying, reading books, practicing. I stumbled into a teacher training program to become a mindfulness meditation teacher. It was a one-year program, and I had to go through pharmacy school twice. I ended up doing two teacher trainings. Nice. I didn't want to be a teacher per se, but I was just looking to deepen my meditation practice. But after the second program with Jack Cornfield and Tara Brock, my practice just catapulted. I felt that I really needed to bring this into the workplace. I started teaching classes and having sessions with the pharmacy department, with the nurses that I was working with on the inpatient and the outpatient setting. I actually spoke at our transplant grand rounds one time and it was introducing the concepts of mindfulness to reduce stress. That's what led me to offer it to our pharmacy practice residents in 2019. I approached our administration and said our residents could use some of this stress reduction training. Would you let me do it? And they said yes. Well, that's wonderful. So it sounds like you've been at this for a while. Tell us a little bit more about your training program. 
The training program has really evolved over the past four years. It expands just a little bit every year. This year, what it looks like is we do a monthly gathering. It's on the second Tuesday of every month. And it's about an hour long. We do it via Zoom because our residents are dispersed between four or five different sites in our system. The sessions are not mandatory, but we do require that all the residents are released from rotation so that they have a dedicated and a protected time for them to either come to my session or they can engage with some resilience or well-being activity on their own. If they choose to go on their own, we ask them to journal about their experience and submit that to me. In the Zoom session, for those that attend, the sessions are divided up into three sections. We open up with some sort of mindfulness practice. Each month, I choose a different mindfulness topic to introduce and practice with them. The second component is we take time for group sharing. And when we do this, we all enter into an agreement that what is said there stays there when we leave here. It's all confidential. We don't crosstalk or offer advice to each other, but we just complete honestly and openly share what's going on, what's going well, but also what's not going well. And this can be a really tender aspect of the program, very tender aspect of the session, uh, very healing, because sometimes it can get very, very real with the residents. And then towards the end of each session, we talk about a specific resilience skill and do a short practice around practicing that skill. It's usually geared towards some sort of positive neuroplasticity practice where we intentionally try to grow the good. As one of my teachers, Rick Hansen, he says, we use the mind to change the brain, to change the mind for the better. And I roughly follow the suggestions outlined in Dr. Hansen's recent book called Resilient for our resilience building practices. And we can make sure to link to a number of those resources that you've shared in our show notes for the episode. I'm really glad to hear that you make that protected time for the activity because I'm sure that really encourages participation. And the other thing that really impressed me about your description is the layered approach where you're including a written summary as well as the active practice associated with that. Kudos to you for that approach. Tell me a little bit about the literature to support your program. If you did a PubMed search for the term mindfulness in 1997, there were only 118 citations. And now here in 2022, there's more than 3,500 of them. Mindfulness is really exploding. It's really being studied more intensively in various areas of health and well-being. Mindfulness-based interventions have been proven to be useful for various forms of mental illness and even reducing physical illness. There's proven benefits in treating depression, anxiety, improving sleep, treatment of PTSD and OCD. In terms of physical benefits, there's lower cardiovascular risk, there's improvements in diabetes, psoriasis, rheumatoid arthritis. Those have been firmly established benefits of practicing mindfulness. In terms of preventing and treating burnout, mindfulness-based interventions, they're helpful at stabilizing our attention and preventing and lowering stress. When we practice mindfulness, it creates an internal buffer that helps us bounce back more quickly from when we experience stressful events. From one perspective, all of our difficulty and suffering begins or originates inside our own mind. And that's the origin of how we respond to the world. Mindfulness training is like deepening the keel of our sailboat, making it more difficult to tip it over or allowing us to go through seas where the waves are a little bit stronger and higher. The program most studied in the literature is the mindfulness-based stress reduction created by John Kabat-Zinn, where it's clearly been shown to reduce stress and improve health. But that being said, it's a very tall order for us to achieve these ongoing traits. And for most of us, even those that practice mindfulness frequently, 
it's easy for us to go into work day after day and not get tossed around. It takes years to develop a stability in the mind through mindfulness practice. The evidence is that it's a supportive tool for treating and preventing burnout. And at the same time, burnout and its prevention should largely be dealt with systematically in the workplace because it's not a worker problem, it's a workplace problem. Interventions for burnout need to include providing support for working conditions for residents and pharmacists and technicians because we're affected by our environment. The mindfulness practices are a supportive tool that promotes and supports well-being since burnout and its prevention is largely dealt with systematically. Between mindfulness practice, the building of community, and the resilience factors that we teach them, I believe that we're offering things that we can do for them now that they can incorporate into their own lives immediately because the more system-wide interventions will take time to change. I really like that you're talking about providing tools to the individual to help them with these issues, but also acknowledging that it's a system level issue and the onus is not on the individual to solve this ubiquitous problem. Thank you for acknowledging that. What has been the impact of your program since you started it? I'm proud to say the impact has been positive. The residents continually give me feedback that they appreciate that there's this support. We have them do a burnout survey quarterly, and then I communicate with them to give them their scores and offer to meet with them if they're exhibiting signs of burnout. In 2021, we polled them to see, well, what do you think of the program? Is it meeting your needs? Are you learning things that are useful? And 80% of them said, yeah, this is useful, it's helpful, I can incorporate it into my life. And no person responded saying that nothing was useful. Feedback from them thus far has been good. It's wonderful. I think the program is planting seeds and reminders for them. I give them these ongoing reminders to check in with themselves and for them to ask, how am I doing? And then I'm actually teaching them how to do that. Most of us don't really know how to check into our own experience. Ten years ago, I didn't know that I was under so much stress until I started reading a book that told me, well, this can happen and that can happen. And the program is really offering these reminders to them to check in on themselves, promote self-awareness and self-care. We pay attention to the charge level on our batteries and our cell phones or how much gas is in the tank of our car. This is the same thing. I really hope by the end of the year, the residents will have instilled in them that they are the most important person in the hospital that they are caring for. As they keep themselves healthy and well, it's onward leading, it's energizing, it's not depleting. And then they'll go on to do miraculous things in their pharmacy careers to help alleviate human suffering. So you've made a lot of progress and had significant impact so far. What are your future plans? I'm grateful to our administration, who is increasingly becoming more and more open to my advances to expand the program. Each year we learn more and more. And my ultimate goal would be to have a program where the residents and I gather once a week for an hour, maybe like a quote unquote happy hour with Glenn that we learn and practice in this way, and it becomes part of their training and curriculum. I would like to make it mandatory that learning positive neuroplasticity, self-regulation techniques, understanding how to monitor oneself for burnout and stress and all the various methods of self-care that are available, it should be part of a healthcare provider's curriculum. Neuroscience is continually validating that this is true, all these different types of practice. Everything that I do is neurologically informed 
it's not so much foo-foo anymore. Thank goodness to the neurology folks who do the functional MRI scans and tell us that following the breath or meditating in a certain way or practicing what we call heart practices, loving kindness, compassion, are of benefit to the nervous system. I'd like to make that part of their training, part of their curriculum, because they have a long road ahead of them, you know, maybe 30 or more years of pharmacy practice. Next year, I hope to start an online Zoomcast where residents and people from all over the world of pharmacy can join in and experience the same type of teaching in class. Well, we look forward to seeing your successes in the future. What recommendations do you have for other pharmacy programs looking to start something similar? Other programs could contact me. I could provide my email address, glenkoos at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram or Facebook under glenkoos. I'd be happy to get them set up with some suggestions for a curriculum and my process. There's literally hundreds of different practices and approaches on how to do this. The field is large. I always tailor a program and a class to meet the needs of the participants. I've offered this program at other hospitals for their residents in the Seattle area. And I'd be happy to set something up for those who would be interested. I also have connections to the other meditation teachers across the country and could help them find a teacher that was local to where they are, who specializes in working with healthcare and burnout. Very gracious of you to offer those resources. And we'll be sure to put your contact information in the show notes of this episode as well. Glenn, thank you so much for joining us today to share your perspectives and expertise. I'm really glad you could be here with us today. All right. Thank you, Gretchen. And listeners, please join us for more Verified Rx podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brummel. Thanks for listening. 